We're looking back at the year in COVID and the moments that shaped and changed us. And we're taking a look at what we can expect 2021 to look like with BuzzFeed News science reporter Dan Vergano. The date, December 29th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. We're bringing you a special week of content as we close out the unique hell that is 2020. And that means that, yes, today we're talking about COVID-19. Now, we're not just focusing on all the horrible, painful things that have happened. In just a bit, we're going to be talking about how we're going to be getting back on track in 2021. First, though, we know that this year has changed us all, and we've all found different ways to cope and get through it. We want to start by talking about what those things were for each of us, and I want to start with you, Casey. What helped you get through this terrible year? Oh, man, I've been thinking about it for a while, and, you know, while, like, you know, I could be, like, sweet and sentimental and, and be, like, my friends via Zoom or my roommates and the dinners we cook, the answer is TikTok. TikTok is what got me through this. <laughs> To screw these friends, TikTok. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, for better or worse, I was able to like lose myself in it. And from finding a very queer space on there to mindfulness tips from therapists, skincare tips from dermatologists, I got a whole new skincare routine from TikTok. I love this. And, you know, it just like gave me something to do it. It also, you know what, I will connect it to my roommates. We do like to, on a weekly basis, share our TikToks with each other. And you know what? That is a bonding experience. Yeah. Yeah. So Casey, why do you think TikTok is bringing you so much joy when we know notoriously that like an Instagram does not bring people joy that much? What do you think it is about TikTok? I think it's because it's such a mix. It's not just like all one thing, you know, it's like there is the mix of just like, I mean, the Ratatouille musical, you know, like you get to see something fun and hilarious and all these different like facets of people come out, but then it's also like real and relatable. So I think right there, it's the opposite of Instagram. You know, Instagram gets that like name for being like very like manufactured and perfected and stuff. Whereas TikTok, people are talking about depression and anxiety and it's extremely relatable. And it's just like, oh, this is where I belong. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I love it. There is so much more joy that feels intrinsic to TikTok as a space. And I think it is that point of, it is unedited in many ways, even though it's very edited these production skills that these kids have is out of this world. But there's something about it that feels real and more like has more levity where Instagram is so filtered and edited and, you know, calculated. So I get that. Okay, Zach, what got you through this pandemic besides me? I mean, you have been a hallmark (laughs) of my my mental health these days. Uh, But beyond you, Casey, I would say Black people winning. You know, this year very much felt like a year among so much terribleness and so much hardship that Black people culturally were being recognized in ways I've never really seen before. You know, I have a background as a journalist in reporting on Black Lives Matter. Before it was called Black Lives Matter, it's a big part of my life is thinking about police brutality and racism. And, you know, I remember 2014 when we saw those protests happen after Ferguson. The world did stop and think about it. But I never saw people really take it to heart the ways we've seen it this pandemic. To be in New York City and Los Angeles and see people in the streets marching and to see people even changing their Instagrams, even though that's kind of like a low lift, but it was something. I really saw every person in my life talking about it. And that was incredible. And through all of that, we did see Black people win. I mean, Kamala Harris, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, we have a Black woman in the White House. And that is incredible. We have seen incredible Black art come out. I've been thinking a lot about two women, Jenna Wortham and Kimberly Drew, who are people I've known for a while as friends and and colleagues. And they have this book called Black Futures that came out just a few days ago to kind of cap off 2020. And it is like the book to talk about Black art and Black people in America right now. And I just have seen so much of that. I just love it. And I love it. I think Black people 
are winning and I can't stop celebrating them. And how are you feeling about going into 2021? Do you think this energy is going to carry over? Oh, yeah, I do. I really, really think so. I think y'all better watch out. Like everything that was building up into 2021 is real or 2020 is really going to take off next year. And I'm just excited to see people, especially with a vaccine now coming and the vaccine actually is here. But, you know, all of us eventually getting it in the next six months or so. Um, I think people are going to be really explosive. I think so, too. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it happen. Yeah, me too. Now, there were obviously a lot of hard, dark things about this lonely year. We've learned from them and grown. So, Casey, what was the worst part about this for you? I mean, to be extremely real, and it seems like, you know, slightly intrusive into my life, but I think a lot of people experienced it this year. I think the hardest part was going to my grandmother's memorial on Zoom, you know? Um, and I, a lot of people experienced that this year. And I think that's why, you know, probably I'm more uh, willing to, to speak about it with such candor because it's just like, it just became a way of life this year. And I think she, you know, she did pass away earlier on in the pandemic. And I think one of the hardest parts is, you know, my mom was in Los Angeles and she was not in my pod and I couldn't hug her and she had just lost her mother. You know, that is, that is a very real thing that people dealt with this year. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, I did not know this before today. And something I haven't told you is that I also lost a grandparent in the middle of the pandemic. And I also had to attend a Zoom. And, you know, a lot of us, I think, have been very um, confused at how we talk about these things in public and how we process them because everyone's going through so much grief. And there's something about Zoom and watching a funeral happen of someone that you've known your whole life um, and not being able to touch them and be with them. That was a particularly hard thing for all of us here in the pandemic, whether it was you lost a grandparent or you couldn't go to a graduation or you couldn't do something. But this lack of being able to touch each other and be with each other is just, I think, just a huge defining thing of, of this year. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad that we can be there for each other, even through our own Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But the other thing I will say, like, the other thing I will say to this is that my, my worst part of 2020 was Zoom itself. Uh, because <laughs> I, I, I just, like, something I'm realizing is that Zoom has allowed for all the boundaries that I had created in my life with, like, work-life balance to, like, disappear. Because everyone thinks you're just a Zoom call away because they just assume you're sitting on your couch doing nothing. So people just call you at all times. And I just really look forward to having boundaries because I have more excuses not to pick up the phone because everyone just keeps calling and calling and I'm over it. I'm over it. I love all of you, but I don't want to talk anymore. I'm done. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, so I host a holiday party every year and it is such a it's my favorite party of the year. We have so much fun and, you know, didn't do it this year. But I was like, you know what? I'll have a smaller one on Zoom. Let me tell you, hosting a Zoom party is one of the worst things I've ever done. It was so anxiety inducing. No one knew what to say or talk about because there's too many of us. It finally was better when like people started to leave and it filtered down numbers. But like, yeah, I'm with you. Zoom can go fuck itself. Sorry, Zoom. We're currently <laughs> using you right now to make this podcast. Truly using you right now. So it's a complicated love for you, hatred. But I, I just can't wait for more in-person things to where we don't have to do that awkward uh, singing happy birthday at the same time on a Zoom. And you can't even hear anyone. So. Yeah, goodbye yes. Zoom in 2020. Uh, <laughs> all right, so when we come back, we're talking about what will hopefully be a much brighter 2021 with BuzzFeed News Science reporter Dan Vergano. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. 
The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Welcome back. We've spent some time looking back at how 2020 has changed us and the world, but now we want to look ahead. All signs point to 2021 looking much brighter as we battle this global pandemic. But we've still got a lot of questions about how this will all play out. BuzzFeed News science reporter Dan Vergano joins us now to offer some clarity. Good afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon. So we all want to talk about vaccines, but we've got a long way to go before they are widely available. We're having this conversation in mid-December, and the first group of Americans are just starting to be vaccinated. But what do we know about how many more people are going to get sick and possibly die in the coming months as vaccines roll out to more Americans? Uh, it looks awful. We're looking at uh, 3,000 deaths a day uh, for the foreseeable, um, you know, like through Christmas uh, it's hard to project past three weeks, but uh, groups like IHME, which is the University of Washington, are looking at 500,000 deaths uh, around February 1st um, thereafter, which is a lot, which is horrible. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, wartime deaths, and it's happening right in front of our eyes. So, Dan, is there any way or anything we can do to stop those deaths, those 500,000, or is that kind of unstoppable right now due to the recent exposures? We could stop it. The the deaths that are three to five weeks ahead are baked in right now. Those are people who are getting sick now and going to the hospital. But um, if everybody put a mask on their face and uh, stayed physically separate, washed their hands, did all the things they're supposed to do, we would stop those new infections from happening after that uh, five, six weeks. Let's be, you know, give it a little wide berth. Um, and we would cut the infection rate down to manageable for contact tracing uh, thereafter, uh, probably save 50,000 to 100,000 lives. Um, that's the estimates that the, the think tanks are giving. We could do that. Um, it's just that people aren't willing. This has all become horribly politicized for them and um, inflated with their notions of living their best life, You know, making other people's grandmothers sick. The first round of vaccines in the U.S. are going to healthcare workers and the elderly. Can you outline the rest of the year in terms of who will get vaccinated and when? Right. Uh, they're going to the, the healthcare workers and the elderly in states that choose to follow CDC's recommendations strictly. There are some states, Florida, Texas, 
that are already sort of going around that to uh, uh, give vaccines to the elderly with uh, dangerous conditions and things like that. So what you're going to see if, is there's a CDC outline for how it ought to go, where first healthcare workers, um, people in long-term nursing care uh, get it, then um, essential workers, and they still haven't quite defined who exactly is essential, uh, and then these uh, the older people who are more at risk with uh, dangerous conditions, if you have diabetes and so forth, or people just with dangerous conditions, uh, prisons, other settings uh, where uh, you might see more exposure, you know, slaughterhouses seem like the obvious one. That's about 100 million people to 170 million people. That'll happen through March um, into April. Uh, after that, uh, things start to widen out, and you'll see more of the general population. It might just be the elderly uh, get it, just over 65 or over 55. Uh, and then you might see the, the general population getting it uh, thereafter. We're talking May, June, uh, maybe April, we can hope, uh, depending on how things go for that sort of uh, timeline. So it's just a sort of funneling of more and more people with fewer and fewer dangerous conditions being able to get it as the next six months go on. We've seen reporting from the New York Times about a missed opportunity by the U.S. government to purchase millions of doses of the vaccine. Can you explain what happened there? Right. So uh, basically, Pfizer came to the government before they had proven that the, the vaccine had worked and said, hey, do you want to buy 100 to 500 million extra doses? We haven't shown it'll work, but we'll give you this option. And the government passed. And so we'll find out if that was a good or bad decision uh, in January when we'll know if the Moderna vaccine and Johnson & Johnson's vaccine, which is a nice vaccine, that's a single shot one, uh, gets approval in January. If those two vaccines turn out to be bad, then that was a real, real botch. Uh, you got to understand, though, that uh, Pfizer was offering the government an unproven thing. So there is an argument to say, no, we're not going to buy 500 million doses of a thing that's not going to work. On the other hand, this is a, a pandemic that's costing us trillions of dollars. And so maybe the, the money for those 500 million doses at 28 bucks a shot, you know, even if it didn't work, was a gamble worth taking. Uh, we'll know. We'll know by the end of January whether I was a botch or not. All right. Well, something a lot of people are looking forward to next year is that we will have an administration that believes in science, we believe. And, you know, Biden has already said he'll call for 100 days of masking upon taking office. So, Dan, what other policies could we see that would give us an edge in the effort to control the virus coming from the Biden administration? The first thing you would hope to see is just a sort of unified message. Instead of having uh, the president's economic advisor tell people it's all BS and that we should ignore it, um, you would expect every part of the administration to be telling people to mask up and um you know behave and so just to have it just to have people who are like all singing from the same you know choir book and, and telling people to actually do good things should make a difference the trump administration has failed to take advantage of what's called the defense production act to create more of the ppe that the administration says doctors have plenty of but if you talk to doctors they say they need more and nurses say they need more uh to force uh, testing uh, to be done in a rational way across the states, you know, instead of just leaving it to the governors. There's been this kind of laissez-faire federalism where, you know, governors who misbehave still get their tests, still get, um, you know, their supplies from the federal government saying like, hey, you know, uh, do what's right. So you could see a more centralized effort that would drive a better response from these states like, you know, South Dakota, where it's just anything goes and everybody's getting terribly sick. So what can we look forward to being able to safely return to in the next year, i.e. restaurants, social gatherings, et cetera? Will we be able to see more friends and family in person, have small parties? By December, yeah, <laughs> um, if you're going to count the whole year. That, that we don't quite know yet um, how this rollout's going to go. I mean, 
the vaccines have arrived, right? Big government has saved your, your end here. They delivered the vaccines, but now we're going to turn the vaccines over to the governors who for largely, you know, screwed up the response and whether their health agencies, which have been underfunded for a decade, especially in these tax cutting states that don't believe in public health, uh, can handle the distribution in a good way. That remains to be seen. Um, it might go great. Everything might go smooth. There's no spoilage of the vaccines. Nobody botches who they give it to and, and, angers the public or makes them distrust the vaccines. The vaccines might not have side effects that make people know. Might all go great. If that happens, then we're looking at um, herd immunity May or June. And when that happens, then you can feel comfortable about reopening these sort of things in a sustained way and not like uh, being pulled back. So it might be we have a really good summer. However, you know, vaccines aren't 100% guaranteed things. You know, we could have production screw-ups. We could have um, resistance in some places to the vaccine if it you know, becomes the Biden vaccine. You know, Trump states might refuse to take it. And those states, you know, well, I'm not going there for Christmas, you know. And so we'll see how it all plays out. If things go as planned, though, I mean, you are looking at widespread herd immunity by June, July, in which case it could be back to normal. The, the catch, of course, is that even if you get the vaccine, if there's not that thing, you're not safe because the vaccine, you still might get the disease still might pass the virus on to somebody else who doesn't have the, the vaccine and make them sick. So we don't know yet if how well it cuts that, uh, that kind of a transmission. That's another one of the things that remains to be seen. So then we basically just have to see how things go when we're talking about like school returning next fall or working in offices, right. et cetera. And there'll be a measure. You'll know like how bad is the community spread where you live? You know, if it's, if it's bad, then don't do it anyway. <laughs> but these next three months should tell us a lot. If, if we see the settings where there's widespread vaccine uptake, that there's a cut in community transmission, that'll tell us a lot. That'll say, okay, we're looking at June. We're looking at, um, you know, May. Uh, if it doesn't work, then... Then we're looking, you know, there'll be questions next year. And I feel like I already know what direction your answer will go in for this one. But what are we looking for uh, time-wise when it comes to uh, large-scale events like concerts? Um, it depends. Are they outside, you know, or are they inside? Like, uh, you know, if it's down the street at Fred's Bar, then I ain't going inside. If it's, at a, if it's outside at the auditorium, then, you know, Shakespeare in the Park, I'd say, Wear a mask and, you know, rock on. That's great. Uh, so, uh, and we'll have a really good idea of what's safe, a better, an even better idea of what's safe and what isn't safe. It just seems like indoor exposures where people have got their mouths open wide and are yelling, bad idea, right? Outdoor <laughs> ones where you get a little more space, it's not looking so bad. You know, we've had all these protests. They didn't lead to widespread exposures. You know, we've, we've had other outdoor events. Was like, so spring and summer, you know, as long as people aren't indoors yelling at each other, looking better. Okay. So Coachella yeah. may be happening. Yeah. It's not the <laughs> fire festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just not. No more fire festival. Pre-post-pandemic, no fire festival. Okay. So, Dan, the U.S. is among the first countries to distribute a vaccine. But what can we expect to see in the next year in the global effort to control the pandemic, especially with a Biden administration that seems interested in a global coordination right now? Uh, it's it's not 100% clear, but you can expect that they'll rejoin the global effort. Like the Trump uh, administration pulled itself out of uh, WHO's efforts, pulled away from this COVAX uh, consortium, which is trying to get vaccines to um, uh, developing countries, which is pretty important, you know, like because it turns out you can't have like a peeing section of the pool. Uh, you have to make sure the whole world gets the vaccine, you know, it, it, or else we'll just keep on having it imported. You'll have outbreaks here, just like we have with measles. For people who don't get their vaccine. 
Of course, some of those countries have done a better job containing it than we have, but that's an, beside the point. You'll expect to see um, the U.S. sort of having a rapprochement with uh, China on both investigating, like, you know, what happened in this outbreak. And I would expect that uh, the U.S. would contribute more, you know, especially if we turn out to have overbooked the number of vaccines we need. Um, if the Johnson Johnson vaccine comes through the single shot and we've got lots of it, we might end up uh, shipping it out in the rest of the world. The rest of the world, though, will we'll get the vaccine more slowly than us, and that's an unjust thing. You know, there's places in Latin America and South America that could, that could use it and are facing a terrible situation and won't get it as fast as we do. If there's one thing we know, many things went wrong with the initial U.S. response to the pandemic. You've been covering this very closely, so I want to ask you, as we enter 2021, are you hopeful? Does it feel like we're on the right track finally? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I feel as good as I can. I mean, who would ever think you would tear up at the sight of a UPS truck? Um, but uh, that's where we're at. This has been a terrible time. Uh, this will be a year we all remember. And, and so how could next year not be better? I did live through reporting the H1N1 outbreak in 2009, where the vaccine distribution turned out to be really complicated and problematic and not good. So I have some trepidation that there'll be some screw-ups like that now, which would really foul things up. But I, it, from where we're at, things look good. I mean, the basic deal is the biology of the virus is that it's very amenable to vaccination. To have a 95% efficacious vaccine says that this is a, a virus that is you know, plays nice with vaccines, which is great because, I mean, like, look at how long we've been trying to find an HIV vaccine and haven't had any luck. It's just been a huge disaster, disappointment. And so now that we've got this one that's, you know, if you put a spike protein in a vaccine, it seems to respond pretty well. Um, that's the basic fundamental biological piece of good news that gives me a lot of hope. We love hearing hope for 2021 because this year has been a ride. <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for your work this year. Such a tremendous job you've done on such a hard, hard topic. You bet. Thanks, guys. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we review our favorite bits of advice from this year with Stephen LeConte. And remember, the COVID vaccine is finally here. Hope truly exists. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sports books. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Thursday, February 10th. 
kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022 delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.